The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 212th ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at iirsports, one word, dot com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items. Also, we will be joined by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. Well, first of all, it's a big-time college atmosphere here in Boston today as the Florida State Seminoles and Everett Golson and Jimbo Fisher uh, come into the Heights to play Boston College a mere 20 minutes from where I'm broadcasting at this moment, uh, I am going. Uh, as soon as this radio show ends, I'll be making the short drive into Boston College and uh, really looking forward to it. Uh, should be a great night. The weather is stunning. Uh, 80, 85 degrees, perfect blue sky, and uh, it's going to be a big night and... Don't get all that many big-time college football weekends here in New England and specifically the Boston area, but this is one, and the city is definitely uh, fired up for it, and, uh, and it's going to be great. So can't wait for this evening. It will be on ESPN. They're actually broadcasting SportsCenter live from right outside the stadium from campus. And uh, then, of course, the pregame and the games at 8 p.m. Eastern tonight. And uh, they're both in the ACC, B.C., and Florida State, so it's really going to be a lot of fun, to say the least. I went to the game two years ago uh, with Jameis Winston when he was a freshman, the undefeated Florida State team, and B.C. gave them the best game of the year, period. They were uh, in the game well into the fourth quarter, and uh, so we'll see if we see more of the same, as I've said often on this show. BC seems to rise up every few years and shock the nation. Last year they did it against Southern Cal here in uh, Boston, a game which I also attended. And uh, 
you know, wouldn't be surprised if it happens again tonight. BC really gets up for uh, these national games, and they do it in both sports. Not only uh, football, as we all know, they've beaten Notre Dame from time to time, uh, but also in basketball. Um, most recently, ending Syracuse's unbeaten season a couple years ago. So, uh, Boston College, always a team to watch out for, especially on a night like tonight with an electrified city of Boston. So my highlight of the week, speaking of electrifying, was watching last night's spectacular ending to the Broncos-Chiefs game as Thursday night football got underway, and we are now fully underway with football. We've had the NFL's kickoff weekend, Monday night, full slate of NFL games, a couple weekends of college, high school, of course, underway. And uh, so now with Thursday night, it's official. Everything is uh, gotten going in fine fashion, I might add. Uh, But just a terrific ending. First of all, a great start as Eric Berry returned to the field to a tremendous ovation, well-deserved. He's been dealing with Hodgkin's lymphoma since last December, was pronounced cancer-free, and took the field and played a good game last night. Great player, and it was great to see him on the field. But the ending of the game, you know, the Chiefs take it down the field and the score. Then Peyton Manning, uh, much criticized suddenly in recent weeks, uh, leads the Broncos down the field to tie it. And then... uh, one of the best running backs in the game, Jamal Charles, gives the game away by fumbling in really what was kneel-down time. They could have easily just as simply kneeled down and gone to overtime as they did with you know just a simple handoff. And, uh, of course, uh, Denver picked it up. A pick-up six, shall we say. And boom, 27 seconds to go. It was over, and it was just really a stunning ending and you really see uh rarely an ending quite like that i mean again we're, we're talking kneel down time here uh long-term ramifications of this game could be immense really in both ways i mean this this is kind of game that could you know ruin the chief season that's how bad it was and uh in the same light uh it's the kind of game that could you know launch the broncos who were clearly a question mark coming into this season as far as being as dominant as they've been since Peyton Manning got there. Uh, This could really launch them, uh, given that they won last night with a defensive play, and then last week in week one, Aqib Tlaib, uh, old friend from here in New England, uh, basically uh, made the turning point play in that game to beat the Ravens. So defense for the Broncos, basically... Seals, two victories in a row to start the season. This appropriately leads into my bizarre story of the week, which is two-time Super Bowl winners Eli Manning and Tom Coughlin, speaking of the Mannings, completely mismanaging the clock to give away a game on Sunday night to the Cowboys. I was watching it live. I and millions of others, including the announcers, could not believe what we were seeing on that third down play when Eli threw it away when all he had to do was basically kneel down, get sacked, however you want to call it, and game over. Or Dallas gets the ball back with less than a minute and no timeouts and uh, a whole lot of green to cover. 
Um, you know, you just know. It's like when it, like when there's an error in baseball. You just know that this game, at the end of the season, we're going to look back on it and think about it and how it may have a deep effect on playoff seeding, division winners, what have you. They're two obvious NFC East uh, opponents. And again, you, you know, you can't make this stuff up, as I like to say. Pop Warner coaches don't make that mistake. And then comes a report yesterday to add insult to injury that the NFL apparently, according to a report, says the penalty a penalty should have been called against the Cowboys for defensive holding on the Eli throwaway play, which would have mean uh, meant that the game was over. So, you know, just crazy. So how fitting that the first week of the NFL season was really a tale of two brothers. Peyton really shutting up his critics with his final drive last night. And I know he was, you know, uh, up and down, shall we say, uh, inconsistent with his throws. But, you know, when he had to have it, he's Peyton Manning, and he zipped the ball right down the field, all over the field, uh, on that final drive, which was just, frankly, great to see. Football's better when Peyton Manning is playing well even though uh, I'm here in New England and we all know about the rivalry they've had with uh, Tom Brady and the Patriots. And then, so yeah, again, tale of two brothers from Peyton last night on the final drive to Eli being photoshopped (laughs) with a dunce cap (laughs) in a New York City tabloid. Um, And basically, Eli, Tom Coughlin, even running back Richard Jennings, who said that Eli told him not to score. Again, a play we are familiar with in New England, given uh, the Super Bowl a few years back in Indy, where uh, I think it was Ahmad Bradshaw didn't want to score, but the Patriots let him score. So uh, something we know a little bit about up here in New England is uh, a New York Giants running back uh, faced with a should I or should not score scenario. My low light of the week was the uh, was the Pittsburgh Pirates shortstop. It was announced today he was lost for the year. Uh, knee injury on a slide uh, as part of the Pirates losing three out of four to the Cubs in Pittsburgh. Uh, as my listeners know, I grew up watching the Pirates in western Pennsylvania and uh, suffered through 20-plus years of losing seasons, longest, his- longest losing streak in the history of professional American sports. Uh, this series was huge. The Pirates were on a roll. It looked like they actually might catch the Cardinals, uh, but for sure put a little distance between them and the Cubs so that they are thereby hosting the wild card game against the Cubs. One game, winner take all, to move into the division playoffs. Um... And it all basically is now at risk, both the wild card hosting uh, as well as, you know, catching the Cardinals. Uh, The Pirates need to win. You know, they've been in the playoffs the last two years for those fabulous crowds in Pittsburgh at the new PNC Park. Not so new, but still beautiful. Um, And, you know, it, it just really is time. It just was feeling until this week, like uh, this th- truly may be their year. And, uh, you know, we'll see how this week affects them, uh, losing three out of four at home to the Cubs. But 
baseball is uh, in the late September run. It's going to be great. Nothing like the last two weeks of the season and leave rolling into the playoffs. Uh, so it's going to be fun to watch. And uh, I really thought that that, uh, that series, despite the outcome from a native Pittsburgher's point of view, was uh, you know very entertaining. And from here on in, baseball uh, deserves our attention. That's for sure. So now, as my former co-host, Lemont Williams from Outside the Huddle, likes to say, it's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. Next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Boys America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we often have guests, and on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., how are you doing today? Oh, we're doing great, Dan. How are you? I'm good. Um... Another big week in college football, and uh, so lots to talk about, as always. Uh, you and I both have big games this weekend. I'm going to the BC-Florida State game, leaving soon after the show. And you, of course, have the huge Ole Miss-Alabama game tomorrow night, correct? Correct. It'll be a, it'll be a very good game. Looking forward to it. Well, there were certainly tons of stuff going on this week, uh, not the least of which was the Texas athletic director, Steve Patterson, 
being fired, although some were saying mutual agreement. But uh, it was definitely a seismic story in college sports. And uh, it just seems like, from everything I gathered, read, heard, that he almost put on a clinic on how not to run an athletic department. It seems like there was so many segments from big-time donors right down to the students that were alienated during his tenure. I mean, you can't come in there with a hammer. You have to have a velvet touch, and especially with someone who's used to being treated with respect and integrity. I mean, he kind of just tried to force-feed everybody his, his ideas, and it didn't work out. Yes, yes, and, you know, you better than most, AP, would understand, uh, you know, the role of a big-time college athletic director. I think you've had some legendary ones down there in Alabama who I know you <laughs> dealt with, and, you know, there's just a velvet touch. You said it perfectly. There's just, it's all about dealing with people. It really is, and that's from, you know, students and student managers right on up to million-dollar sweet holders uh, and everybody in between. Um, and, boy, you know, some of the stuff coming out of this story are just stunning, really. I mean, you, you wouldn't see it at – you'd be surprised to see it occurring at any college at, of any size from an athletic director. But to see it happening at Texas, quite possibly, you know, the biggest of them all, when you factor in the Longhorn Network, you know, it's really just uh, unbelievable. Yeah, I don't know if it's a, a sense of arrogance or he was given this task and he misinterpreted the, the policy changes that the president wanted. I just, not, not clear, but it seems to be his, his leadership style was not a good fit. Uh, if you're in the pros, you know, professional ranks, People are probably used to taking orders from the top down, but in, in, in college, you're trying to galvanize the support of your big donors, your, your coaches, your athletes, your support staff, your fans, your alumni, the city where, you re- where the university is located, uh, the state, and the region. So, I mean, that, that, you have to pull, you know, be pulling with, you know, all the same oars in the same direction, but... He, for some reason, he did not comprehend that situation. He didn't understand the delicacy uh, that he was placed in in Austin, Texas. Yes, and I've been to Austin a few times. And, you know, of all the stories that come out of this, big and small, that, uh, you know, the biggest one, excuse me, the biggest one and probably the, you know, uh, the straw that broke the camel's back was this, Big-time donor from Houston whose name is on Darrell Royal Stadium. He's not Darrell Royal, but I'm just saying he's like his name is somewhere on the stadium. And he did not renew his suite. And I have literally twice been to that stadium, not for a game, but where I literally drove up and checked it out like I like to do when I'm near a big-time stadium. And it was just... uh, you know, that's the kiss of death right there. You know, when I saw that story, I was like, oh, my gosh, can you even imagine? So it's just, uh, again, you know, 
a truly unbelievable story. And let's not forget, when he was hired, you know, he was, you know, that was a big deal too. The Texas AD job coming open, you know, and all with Mac Brown and just all of it was just, you know, this has really been an ongoing two-year story. Um, and, you know, just a lot going on. Mac Brown, Charlie Strong, Shaka Smart for that matter. Uh, and uh, the, the other thing I found interesting, AP, was this thing about expanding Texas's international brand where we're talking about like flights to Kuwait and places like that uh, or, or Singapore I think I heard uh, what's up with that I mean really yeah I mean I guess he's in kinship with uh, Larry Scott who's the commissioner of the Pac-12 which they're trying to do some things in the east which, which I understand that's fine but when oh, yeah. you are approached by some of the people that want to get back to playing Texas A&M and, and your, your thoughts are turned to playing in Mexico City and branding in Kuwait. I mean, it just turned them off completely because those are important things to try to get back to playing Texas A&M or renew that rivalry. And all those other matters are, you know, small potatoes compared to, you know, getting back with playing like Texas A&M and worrying about, things that happen in the United States. Yes, well, that, that makes me think of uh, legendary Boston area politician Tip O'Neill, who lived with the mantra, all politics are local, and I would say that all <laughs> sports are local. And you've got to take care of your neighborhood before you start looking, looking outside it. And, you know, you said it perfectly. You can't be, you can't be looking at Mexico City when... Texas A&M is front and center on people's minds. Yeah, and, and your football team cannot measure up right now to Baylor and TCU. That's another local matter. Oh, exactly. Right. I mean, without unscientifically, without any thought, Texas is at best number four in the state. They're certainly not in the top three because that is clearly <laughs> Baylor, TCU, and, you know, Texas A&M, especially now that they're in the SEC, and I'm sure uh, there very well may be others if, I, if we took some time to research it. But, you know, it's just, uh, again, fascinating story. And, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I like this. Like, this international thing really intrigued me. Like, is this yeah. a Texas thing? Are there other... Is this something that's bubbling under the surface, uh, you know, in American universities? I mean, just today, or yesterday, excuse me, you know, they actually held at Boston College in conjunction with, you know, no coincidence, in conjunction with tonight's huge game against hosting Florida State. But, you know, they unveiled a trophy for next September's game in Dublin against Georgia Tech, uh, Dublin, Ireland, of course. Uh, where they had like Irish officials, and you know, it's uh, yeah, it's going to be the Aer Lingus. It's called the Aer Lingus College Football Classic. So it was a big deal, you know, water made of Waterford crystal. No surprise. And uh, so you know, between the Patterson thing and then I see this. You know, we all know there's been games played in Dublin recently, and and not so recently, but you know. To my knowledge, there hasn't been a game with a trophy on it and a big-time sponsor and, you know, uh, a a press conference held yesterday solely for that purpose here in Boston. And uh, 
so yeah, I, I put two and two together. You know, I'm no mathematician, but it seems like this this must be a topic or something to keep our eye on. Yeah, I think it's fantastic, John. That me too. I love you, it. You can you can have a game that's played overseas or even in Mexico City or heck, how about playing in Toronto or or somewhere in the West? They could play in Vancouver. I think it'd be great for, for us, you know, the student athletes to have a chance to go to another country and. And compete. It's fantastic and a good recruiting tool as well. Just like if you're you're on the East Coast, you're playing a game on the West Coast, West Coast, East Coast. I, I think it's a natural, but you have to take care of those local things first. And and you know Texas is so powerful. If you can get all those donors, all those fans, all the alumni pulling in the same direction, I mean it's an unstoppable force. Well, exactly, exactly, and. Uh... You know, I was down in Orlando, Florida recently, and uh, we all know what the NFL is doing over in England, football mad England, and uh, lo and behold, day one, riding down an elevator and met a guy who's literally a coach for an English football team, lives in England, was visiting Orlando, and uh, we actually had a couple of conversations, and he was doing some football stuff while he was in Florida. And, you know, it was really uh, an eye-opening experience. And, and just, again, just a total coincidence to the conversation we're having. This was only three weeks ago. And uh, so, yeah, so th- there's no question that, you know, international and global, uh, like in all sports, uh, y- you know, is the road to expansion in the future. I mean, uh, globalizing your brand is now easier than ever, no different than the EPL English Premier League and soccer, you know, you can now watch those games routinely. I watched, you know, Manchester United and uh, Eindhoven Holland play uh, the the other afternoon because I've spent time in Holland, and so you you know the world's becoming much smaller. So uh, I think it's great. Unfortunately, it was not, you know, uh, a good fit for the for what was happening with Texas, obviously. And in fact, became a bad thing as part of that story. But overall, it's a good thing. No, it's a terrible story for Texas because right. they were going through right. all that turmoil with their football coach and their basketball coach. They seem to resolve maybe the basketball situation. We'll find out pretty soon when Chaka Smart, you know, becomes the coach this season, and Charlie Strong is struggling right now. So. Even though they tried to solve that problem, it's uh, far from over with the Texas football program. Yeah, well, it all adds up to one thing, AP. I'm very interested now in watching the California at Texas game tomorrow night in Austin. Texas, of course, opened up at Notre Dame by getting pounced, to say the least. 38-3, I think it was. And uh, So tomorrow night's their home opener. Uh, you know, uh, w- with the backdrop of the AD getting fired, of course, uh, Cal is Cal. I mean, they're, they're, they're certainly a good team. Um, so I'm very intrigued by watching this game, the crowd reaction, just all of it, the energy, the scene, shall we say, uh, which is one of the great ones in all of college football, to put it mildly, especially on a Saturday night. So, yeah, so this game takes on, you know, uh, New interest, shall we say. John, you know, I had the pleasure of visiting California practice in August, and 
They have a fantastic quarterback, Jerry Goff, who's Heisman Trophy candidate, maybe one of the maybe the best in the country. And when I was reviewing their schedule, that's the game I made a little mark next to, and I thought if they can go down to Texas and put about twenty one on the board, they they might win that game because the the Longhorn offense is 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 just having trouble scoring points. So, and now California has to go into that hotbed where everybody's all mad and fired up and. So it, the game dynamics have changed. Changed dramatically, AP. I mean, just hearing you say that makes me even more intrigued. Uh, you know, it, it, clearly California can win that game. And boy, if they win that game, I would have to say, you know, it would be a new low for Texas. Uh, Texas football of recent years, of which it's obviously been in decline for the last few years. But if they lose tomorrow night, uh, the anger will come bubbling out. That's why I want to watch. And you have to realize, John, that the coach of California, he's definitely familiar with the University of Texas football, Sonny Dykes, from Big Spring, Texas. You know, his daddy was at Texas Tech, and he graduated from there as well. So it's a big moment for him. And he's trying to turn things around. He's in a crucial year in his contract. Wow. Well, that just went to uh, the top of the list of what is an excellent list of tremendous college football games this weekend. Uh, And you and I are going to be lucky enough to uh, be at a couple of them. So why don't we take our break now? And then uh, on the other side, we'll get to some of these games. Uh, They're also on this weekend's schedule. And uh, we'll do that after the break. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at Voice America TRN or twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. 
Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports, and I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., you and I have Friday and Saturday night covered. Uh, I'm heading into the Boston College-Florida State game, a mere 20 minutes from where I'm broadcasting at this moment tonight. And then you are heading to Tuscaloosa to cover the huge Ole Miss at Alabama game. And one thing that jumped right out at me uh, as I was doing my weekend DVRing uh, scheduling. Uh, the game begins at nine fifteen or something tomorrow night, which immediately struck me as like as, a, as like the latest start I could ever remember from an Alabama game. Yeah, John, it's funny you mentioned that time slot because many many years ago, and this goes all the way back to the first prime time SEC football game. They wanted to put on the Alabama Ole Miss game from Birmingham. Number one, they had a problem with the arranging that game for the, about the lights. And uh, Bino Cook got together with Renalds, and they called down the, the coach Bryant and Johnny Vaught, and they tried to arrange the game. And, and Coach Bryant said, well, we have a candle problem right now. I mean, the lights were not strong enough, and Bino you know, was wondering if that could be changed. And he says, well, the mayor's going to be getting if – if he doesn't put the lights in for the ball game, he probably won't get reelected. So don't worry about that. Just go ahead and schedule the game. But uh, there was one other little issue that – going on Saturday night that people of our era maybe remember it was called the Lawrence Welk Show and they had to try to preempt that preempt that. Well he he didn't agree. He said, No, we're gonna put on that show and so Lawrence Welk had his show and the game didn't start till about nine o'clock central time. <laughs> I love it. That's a great story. Yeah, don't mess with Lawrence Welk back in the day, that's for sure. Yeah, because there was a ratings boom that show was a, a, an outstanding show for ABC so they didn't want to interrupt the Lawrence. Yeah, well, I'm not sure if it's still on on Saturday evenings at like 7 or 8 o'clock Eastern, but as recently as a few years ago, it was. I, oddly enough, I, it's just something that I happened to have uh, come across and was surprised to see. So that, that's an even funnier story for me since, uh, as far as that, you know, Lawrence Welk may still be on on Saturday evenings, but he certainly was. Recently, uh, just as recently as a few years ago. So, anyway, that's you know, I don't think Lawrence Welk show will be uh, preempting any of tomorrow night's game or tailgating. Uh, huge game. I mean, Ole Miss is you know, they beat Alabama last year, and what was easily, I think, easily or probably, you know, the biggest game in Oxford at the Grove since Eli Manning, if not Archie Manning's career at Ole Miss. They beat Alabama in a fabulous game. And so Alabama looking for revenge in Tuscaloosa. Uh, that, that's going to be, uh, that creates a pretty tall order for Ole Miss. Yeah, it, it'll be an outstanding matchup, John. You know, Chad Kelly is the new Ole Miss quarterback, nephew of Jim Kelly. He was oh. recruited by he was recruited by Alabama twice, John, coming out of high school in Buffalo, and then he ended up at Clemson, got a little scrape in Clemson, ended up transferring to East Mississippi uh, Community College, played there. You have to believe they won the national championship actually, and he's now in Oxford, Mississippi. 
He's a good quarterback. He's had two tremendous games. They scored over 70 points, which is incredible. So Alabama will be challenged with his, you know, his throwing ability. And they have the number one wide receiver, Laquan Treadwell, out of the 2013 class, fantastic player from Illinois. So Alabama have their hands full because the secondary, you know, they start a redshirt freshman at cornerback, uh, Marlon Humphrey, son of Bobby Humphrey, get Alabama running back. And then the, 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 the uh, nickel package defense back is a true freshman out of New Jersey, Minka Fitzpatrick. And then to top that off this week, one of the safeties got injured, so they're going to have to use another true freshman, Ronnie Harrison. So you could have three first-year defensive backfield players for Alabama in that game. Oh, my. That's, uh, that's intriguing, trying to stop Jim Kelly's nephew. Uh, I did not know that about uh, that Chad Kelly was Jim Kelly's nephew. That's great stuff. Uh, of course, Jim Kelly grew up half an hour from where I grew up. He was a legend in western Pennsylvania. Of course, Joe Paterno wanted to turn him into a linebacker, so he uh, was having none of that and went down to Miami where he promptly beat Penn State <laughs> in a huge game. Uh, I believe it was the sophomore year, and we all know the rest of the story. So I know he and his brothers were quite well known uh, back in the day in western Pennsylvania. Don't mess with the Kelly boys, shall we say. So one of them, I'm guessing one of them then had a son who is now the Ole Miss quarterback, so I love how love how things come full circle like that. Yeah, John, I had a chance to speak with Chad this summer at the Manning Passing Academy, and he's, he's got that Kelly swag, very confident player, so it would be a, a good challenge. But both, both teams have a lot to prove. I mean, Alabama is still working on that quarterback position, and the, as I mentioned before, the secondary. That's a, that's been a question mark for Alabama and Ole Miss. They want to prove that they can beat a top team like Alabama two years in a row. Uh, Nick Saban has not lost to anyone back to back at Alabama except LSU in 2010 and 2011. So he's very good in these rematches. But yeah. this is a new a new year, and Ole Miss is a different type of team. They had a top recruiting class in 2013, as I mentioned. That you know, Robert Tim D.C. Number one recruit, he's on the defensive line. He's he playing in the backfield a little bit too, John. I don't know if you saw some of those highlights where he ran for about a 40-yard touchdown. When you know, I think he's got a couple of touchdowns, actually. A la J.J. Watt? Right, right, yeah. Big, big powerful guy, can really run and put pressure on the quarterback. Uh, has some other you know, outstanding play. One player that won't be in the game for them, John, is Laramie Tunsil. He was an offensive tackle. He had some issues with an agent they're still trying to resolve, so he won't be playing. But Ole Miss throws so quickly, John, I don't know if it will affect the passing game. It may be minimal. But you'd sure like to have an All-American type offensive left tackle in the game against Alabama. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, Robert Camdici, let's not forget, was the number one player coming out of high school he that was kind of on the heels of Jadavian Clowney being the number one player coming out of high school and you know his career's been okay I don't know that it's been what was expected when you're the number one player in the land uh but boy he could go a long way toward changing that narrative tomorrow night couldn't he I mean all the spotlight's going to be on it's the national game of the evening on ESPN, so he'll have plenty of chances to make his name just as just as Archie Manning did about 40 years ago 
when the when the nation got to know a quarterback from Drew, Mississippi. Well, exactly right. And just going old school here, you know, I, you know, I, I always have liked Ole Miss because when I was a kid, I vividly remember watching Archie Manning for the first time and Southern football and just I and millions of others of young teenagers loved, fell in love with him and thereby I followed Ole Miss my entire life, uh, you know, liked him. And, uh, yeah, it all started with Archie Manning. And, you know, just sticking with old school a little bit, just to give you a sense of Chad Kelly being the Ole Miss quarterback tomorrow night and Jim Kelly's nephew, I referenced that Jim Kelly game against Penn State when he was, I believe, a sophomore. It needs to be noted here, just so you know, that Chad Kelly will not shrink for the moment. But when Jim Kelly did that, that launched, literally, that game launched the Miami, the, the Miami dynasty that we came to know. Let's make no mistake about it. You know, I'm not even sure if his coach then was Lou Saban or Howard Schnellenberger, but, you know, that was the day that Miami arrived uh, on the national scene, re-arrived. They had been there before, but, you know, hadn't been for a while. And Jim Kelly showed up and engineered that upset, and we all know the rest of the story. Uh, Three or four or five national championships later, uh, you know, Miami became, you know, has become the Miami we've all gotten to know. But it all started with that game. I'll never forget it. I remember exactly where I was watching it, as much for Jim Kelly as for the fact that I, uh, you know, was a Penn State fan growing up near there. So, uh, so it just, you know, it just is. Adds a little intrigue to tomorrow night's game. Uh, bottom line, I'm sure Chad is Kelly tough, like his uncle. And that's really, uh, the, that really adds a pretty cool element to this game. Yeah, I think so. And, and you know, last year, John, after Ole Miss won that game, I think they started the season 7-0, and but they had to decline. They ended up 2-4 and four in the last six games. So they're, they're looking for some redemption that they belong and I know Alabama, they weren't too happy with the way they performed in that game as well. They had a 14-3 to halftime lead, and with an opportunity to win the game at the end, Blake Sims threw a pass into the end zone to O.J. Howard, a real talented tight end. O.J. tried to feel the ball like a punt and wait on it to arrive where the defensive back from Ole Miss came up from behind and intercepted the ball. I interviewed O.J. about that play last year, and he didn't even realize that the defender was behind him. So he, it was a learning experience for him and something that he, he uses as motivation. He's more aggressive now catching the football. He's been playing very well, and I know that he's looking forward to a big game. I'm sure. Well, he's uh, you know one of the best players in the country, period. And, uh, yes, I remember that play, AP, and another play I also remember, just sticking with old Miss, Ole Miss, they, uh, they, had, you know, they were involved in what may have been the most interesting and impactful play of the entire college football season, which was, you know, the game where the receiver caught the ball and was, basically was headed into the end zone and got hit at the goal line and I think broke his leg, fumbled the ball, got recovered. The guy's season was over, and they lost the game, and it just, again, had a gigantic ripple effect. Remember that? Yeah, it, it was Laquan Treadwell, the, the number one receiver. I thought so, yeah. Player. 
Right. I and, so. uh, yeah, I think it was his ankle, maybe part of the leg too, but it was, it was a horrid injury that was played out right on that last one of those ending moments in the Auburn game. And and from then on, Ole Miss, they just kind of went downhill. But exactly. he's back and healthy, and he's, uh, he, he's caught, um, I think, nine passes so far. And the offense is on fire, scoring, I think they're averaging, what, 73 points a game, which is unheard of. Well, exactly. Yes, it is unheard of. And again, yeah, you had mentioned Laquan Treadwell and, you know, that, that very well may have been the most interesting play of the year, The plus the ramifications. I mean, you know, it was a classic, did he score or did he not? And, you know, clearly he was injured, but nobody knew exactly what it was, but you knew it was serious against Auburn, huge SEC West game. And, you know, a long review and just really hotly debated uh, that was just a crazy play, and clearly the effect on Ole Miss was gigantic, uh, as well as Auburn, who ended up winning the game because of that play. Because, uh, again, he was going in for the winning score, and it really looked like he may have crossed the goal line. I mean, it was definitely, you know, in question, shall we say. Oh, oh yeah, sure. And, John, here's a few interesting facts for this game. Lane Kiffin, offensive coordinator for Alabama, Brother Chris, defensive line coach for Ole Miss. Wow. Another Kiffin. <laughs> Another Kiffin, right. Another Kiffin. Um, last year in that game as well, Kenyon Drake, the outstanding running back for Alabama, uh, he was broke his leg. He had a teammate on the Ole Miss team that was a thorn in Alabama's side, the tight end, the hybrid tight end, Evan Ingram. Watch out for him. He's an excellent player. They were, they were both uh, from Powder Springs, Georgia. Wow. Well, I'll say one thing. If uh, old Mrs. Kiffin is as good on the defensive side as a coach that his father was as a defensive coordinator in the NFL, Monty, uh, Alabama will have their hands full, right? Oh, they sure will. Yeah, Ole Miss had a very good defense last season, and they're, they're, I think they're in one of the top defenses this year as well. They had seven guys returning in uh, Robert Kim Dixie has his brother plays linebacker. He, he's a good player that will be in this game as well. Well, you got us ready, AP. I'm ready for that game tomorrow night. So, uh, as I am for the Florida State game tonight. Uh, so it's going to be fun. But we're up against our final break. So why don't we take that? And we still have uh, a few other things uh, to discuss on the other side. <laughs> Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America Interactive Radio Player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Check your feelings at the door and enter the Man Cave. 
Don't let the name fool you, because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Host J.D. Harris and Ray Austin are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the man cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I am your host, John Inglesby. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And uh, before we get started, my pick of the week for appointment viewing is tonight's B.C.-Florida State game. What better way to begin the weekend uh, than a big-time college football game, watching Everett Golson. Uh, it's going to be fun. And A.P., uh, we talked at the break, and you know, I, I talked at the, in the opening segment about uh, what was my uh, bizarre story of the week, which was how the New York Giants gave away that game to the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday night. And I know you have some thoughts on it, too. And I shared the same thoughts as you that you're about to say, but I didn't mention them. So you have the floor. Well, John, I understand, number one, that Eli Manning could have called a different play, could have made some different decisions. The like, extra 40 seconds was was used by the Cowboys to drive the field, but I don't understand how come the media and the fans have just conceded that the Giants' defense was going to allow the Dallas Cowboys to drive the length of the field, and they did it before as well to score that other touchdown. So I understand the quarterback gets most of the credit, but now the quarterback has to take uh, the blame for a bad defense as well. I just don't understand the the philosophy, those other guys on defense, they're getting paid as well. And they're supposed to stop the team when there's like a minute and change left so you don't drive the ball 72 yards when the Cowboys would struggle the entire game scoring. All of a sudden they put two quick touchdowns, just drove the length of the field, and there was very little defense being played. I just don't understand why they put all this blame on Eli Manning. I, 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 you know, it's like you just concede the fact that your defense is not good and the quarterback has to take that into account. So you disrespect your own team. I totally agree. I was thinking the exact same thing, both watching and in the aftermath of the game. I mean, it's tough to get away from the Eli storyline, especially when you throw in Rashard Jennings and, you know, their revered coach, Tom Coughlin, you know, taking the blame as well. Uh, but, yes, they just drove down the field like it was nothing. Like, no timeouts. Let's not forget that. <laughs> <laughs> they still had to go uh, seventy plus yards, and they just did it like routinely, like it was just easy, uh, like way too easy. Just four, three or four quick pass plays, and there they were at the whatever ten twelve yard line uh, where they scored from there with, you know, I think thirty thirteen seconds to go. Um, I, I'm with you, and I'm glad you pointed that out. 
because that's really worth mentioning. Yeah, I, I don't. I know. Understand that, that if you're attacking the quarterback, that makes all the headlines. But if I'm the head coach of the New York Giants, I'm going to the defensive coach and saying, "What happened? The last two times they scored, they just went right through. It's like we weren't even on the field. It was, it was like uh, you know against a high school team or something." I agree. I totally agree. Uh, that got lost in all of this, and it's a huge. Uh, Huge part of, obviously, the ending. Uh, and, you know, just sticking with pro football, they announced the Hall of Fame candidates for this year, and it was really quite a list, uh, number one. But it also reminds me that I think I may have seen, like, a ceremony of sorts before or at the Raiders game, remembering Kenny Stabler. Is that correct? Yes, correct. They sure did. They honored him. They had his two grandsons who played high school football in Scottsdale, Arizona, Sheffield High School. They lit the flame before before the game, and then they had the halftime ceremony. John Madden came out and they laid some flowers on him on his uh, jersey, and they had his, Kenny's family there, a couple of his daughters and his girlfriend Kim, and so it was a, a great tribute to to Kenny Stabler, and and hopefully things will work out well when they announce the class of 2016 in February at the Super Bowl at Levi Stadium. Right, in the shadow of Oakland, let's not forget. So wouldn't, wouldn't that be wonderful? And I know you put in a lot of time and effort uh, on that subject of Kenny Stabler getting in the Hall of Fame, even uh, now deceased uh, just a couple of months ago. Uh, yeah, we would all love it. Everybody likes Kenny Stabler, I think. I don't know. I do. <laughs> Yeah, they they tell me that he's the most favorite Raider of all time, which is is kind of cool. Yes, absolutely. Uh, well, I hope it happens. I really do. And you know, a lot of great names. I mean, Brett Favre's a nominee. He's a slam dunk first ballot Hall of Famer, if ever there was one. Obviously, a couple names that you know caught my eye. You know, uh, I love seeing Alan Fanica, uh, offensive lineman from the Steelers. Uh, great, great player. Uh, Great to see Lawyer Malloy, formerly of the Patriots, uh, part of that first Super Bowl, a key part of that first Super Bowl, I might add. He, he spoke up when the Patriots won their first Super Bowl when they were down there in Pittsburgh for that AFC championship game when everybody was picking the Steelers. And I'll never forget the Friday press conference before that game when Lawyer Malloy just stood up and basically said, hey, what about us? This is ridiculous. And then, <laughs> and then they went yeah. out that Sunday and proved it, and we all know the rest of that, that story. Right, right. And, and, John, there's some interesting names in the coaching fraternity also. I mean, gosh, these guys won Super Bowls. Uh, Bill Cower and Tony Dungy, Tom Flores, Mike Holmgren, Jimmy Johnson. Ch- I, don't, I don't understand, John, John, how come Chuck Knox, you, you can win four Super Bowls, and you're not in the Hall of Fame. I agree. Uh, Chuck Knox is, you know, he was always mentioned as one of the two or three best coaches in the NFL for his entire career while he was coaching. While it was happening, he was constantly, constantly, you know, being mentioned as, you know, one of the top coaches in the NFL. He was revered while he was doing it, and that, that's not the case with everybody. Yeah. And, John, you, I mean, people have to remember, he beat Don Shula. He beat uh, 
uh, Tom Landry. Um, you know, he, he defeated, let's say, like a John Madden. He, uh, all these great coaches he was going up against. And I understand some of these other names under, like Bill Cowers named under Tony Dungy, but they didn't achieve the, the Super Bowl wins that, that Chuck Knox did. None of those coaches on this list. Exactly. Well, AP, it's hard to believe we're at the end of our show, but this is a good way to end it because this is really uh, worth thinking about. Uh, quite a list of nominees, to say the least. And uh, I'm glad you, you know, introduced the subject so that we could talk about it today and end the show on it. And once again, thank you for all your perspective, especially on the Alabama Ole Miss game tomorrow night. And, uh, Appreciate your time and your calling in, as always. Thank you, John. It's my pleasure. And have fun tonight yourself. All right. Enjoy tomorrow night. And uh, as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports. And we look forward to doing it again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.